It is Sunday, December 10th, 2010. This is U62, the Targ. Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started in here. Cue the music. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62, the TAR. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, we're talking classic video games, we're talking Star Wars action figures, and we're talking Tron Legacy viral marketing swag. It's episode 4.10, Rumblies in my Tumblr. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 Natar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here, and welcome to this week's episode of U62 The Targ. First, let me extend my apologies for there being no episode last week. Uh, you know how it is. Real life gets in the way. You get too busy. You put it to the back burner, and before you know it, the whole week's gone by, and you haven't made a podcast. Just like the classic song says, I wish the real world would just stop hassling me. But I'm back here. Uh, life has resumed somewhat of a normal trend so i can get back to telling you how i've been wasting my time as of late i have finally done something i've been threatening to do for a long time i went online and i finally found a beautiful atari 2600 emulator and i am playing a whole bunch of classic atari 2600 games on my computer atari is just so awesome I download a lot of games from Activision. I don't know what it is, but when I had an Atari when I was a kid, Activision just kind of made all the neatest games. Something I blogged about in the past. I love it when video games make you feel as being a part of a bigger community. And Activision Atari games really did that. Uh, each of their games had their gimmick, where if you uh, achieved a high score, and if you took a picture of the screen showing your high score and sent that into Activision, you would become a member of the special club for that video game. How awesome was that? A little club for each and every video game. So yeah, some of my favorite Activision games is this one called Sequest, which, you know, a fairly basic shoot 'em up game. You're a yellow submarine and you got to shoot all these sharks and enemy subs and rescue all the divers. It's a lot of fun. Another one is called Pressure Cooker. That's where you got to make hamburgers and all in a set amount of time. Uh, perhaps one of the weirdest ones, though, is called Dolphin. You're a dolphin being chased by a killer squid and you have to listen to your sonar echoes because there's this wall of seahorses ahead if it's a high-pitched echo that means the opening in the wall of seahorses is at the top of the wall of seahorses if it's a low pitch it's near the bottom and you can figure it out and then occasionally a seagull flies across the top of the screen if you touch the seagull you have the power to defeat the squid yeah, you're a dolphin who needs the help of a seagull to defeat a squid. Very weird, but a lot of fun. But all in all, I can say, yes, I have played Atari today. 
That's not the only classic video game system I dug out of the closet. I also hooked up my old Sega Saturn for old time's sake. I'm not going to tell the saga of my Sega Saturn because I've done that in a previous podcast. All in all, I can say Sonic 3D Blast, still frustrating as hell after all these years. Let's get to Too Hot for Radio, shall we? Too Hot for Radio! And let's get going here with Too Hot for Radio, all the sexy stuff that I just have to tell someone, so I may as well tell you. You know, I talked last week about uh, maybe bringing an end to uh, Too Hot for Radio, and uh, just when I think I'm about to, something comes along that makes me think of going, uh, maybe just one more. As I reported a couple of weeks ago, the Playboy channel is seeking to make their programming more female-friendly so that they'll attract more female viewers, which means more viewers in general, which means more money. And as such, the Playboy channel just released the results of a massive study they commissioned seeking to answer the age-old question, what do women want in their porn? And despite the old joke that porn for women is some guy with rippling abs who listens to you talk about your day while he does all the cooking and cleaning, well, that didn't make the list. Apparently, this is what the ladies like in their porn. Number one, real chemistry. Women would like to see their porn stars depict some kind of real connection on screen and not just be two random strangers going at it. Number two, non-enhanced body parts. Real breasts, real penises, real everything. They want to keep it all natural pretty much. And that kind of leads into number three, realistic body types. They don't want to see the guy with the rippling six-pack who looks like he hasn't showered in three days going at some bleach blonde with massive breasts. They want to see the folks like you and me. Although, I do look like I haven't showered in three days, but that's because I actually haven't showered in three days. And the fourth and final thing that women want in their porn, contextual sex. That is, they don't want the sex to just happen. They want to see it evolve organically from the plot and the dialogue. Sadly, I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking about the typical male movie executive mindset and I think I know how it's going to be all interpreted. Look for lots of romantic comedies with some hardcore boning. And that's what's too hot for radio. You're listening to Mark Cappen. This is the old days, and the bad days, the all or nothing days. They're back on U62. The Targ. Get hot, get too close to the flame. Wild open space Talk like an open book Sign me up Got no time to take a picture I'll remember someday All the chances we took We're so close To something that I left unknown We're so close Something better 
Metric, give me sympathy here on U62 The Targ. Good afternoon, Mark Campus here with you. And, uh, hmm, I've uh, kind of at a loss. Don't know what to talk about on this week's show. That's the only problem with being so darn busy. You never know what to talk about. So usually what I do in those situations is, you know, I just start looking around the room. What can I talk about? What can I talk about? I started my Christmas shopping a couple of weeks ago, and along with that, um, I got some new Star Wars action figures for my Star Wars action figure collection. Yeah, want me to hear me talk about my toys? I will make like we're seven years old, and I will tell you all about my toys. Yay! So here, I got this fancy two-pack from Toys R Us. You know, it's got General Grievous in it, and not only that, it has the pre-cyborg General Grievous. Oh my god! Pre-cyborg General Grievous, I tell you, this guy's one of the most hardest action figures to find. Okay, I don't think I can keep talking like that for the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mentioned a long time ago that I used to be totally hardcore into collecting action figures. And along with that, I, would, I was a devoted reader of Toy Fair magazine. But you know, I had to give up reading Toy Fair magazine because it was making me buy too much crap I didn't want. It was just hyping me into buy that. And a prime example pre-cyborg General Grievous. I remember in those heady days after Revenge of the Sith, pre-cyborg General Grievous became a rather hot commodity. And you know that residual hype there in the back of my head just made me totally geek out when I saw pre-cyborg General Grievous there in Toys R Us. So of course I had to snatch him up. And you know, it's weird, after I snatched him up and I posted the picture on Facebook because I'm a geek like that, one of my friends commented, Gee, you know, you have all these action figures, but you don't have a General Akbar? I am offended. So I replied to him, First of all, it's Admiral Akbar, and second, you're right, why don't I have Admiral Akbar? You've given me something new to quest for. So once again, the hype or just the simple suggestion of a friend is leading me down a dark path. I will not rest until I find an Admiral Akbar action figure. But first, I think I'll buy some donuts. Let's go get a cup of coffee to go along with that in today's What's Wrong With Society. What's wrong with society? I'm literally angry with rage. Well, here it is. What's wrong with society this week? My weekly rant about just what's annoying me. So do you know what's wrong with society this week? Well, I'm going to tell you. What's wrong with society this week are people who get their fancy coffees from fast food places. So there I was the other day in Subway, ordering for myself a tasty, tasty tuna sub. Granted, I eat so much at the Subway here in town that the clerks have taken to greeting me with, Hey Mark, the usual today? And something happened that's becoming far too frequent. A lady cut in front of me in line just to get a cup of coffee. That sounds innocent, right? A cup of coffee, nice and simple. 
Now here's where I should mention that the Subway also has a full coffee bar. So, a cup of coffee instantly becomes one of these super grande verde mopey frappuccinos with extra foam and a shot of oregano, or whatever. It's far more complicated to make than my tasty tasty tuna sub. So there I am, my tasty tasty tuna sub is sitting on the counter. I'm waiting patiently to get my tasty tasty tuna sub. The line is starting to back up behind me, but everything is on hold because this one lady wants her grande verde mopey frappuccino and they're not sprinkling enough oregano on it or whatever. Get your coffee and get out of the way so I can get my tasty tasty tuna sub. Sadly, this isn't the first time I've been witness to this. Last summer, I stopped in at McDonald's for a quarter pounder with cheese. And as I'm sure you know, McDonald's in the summertime now has their full line of iced coffees. So there I am, the line's being held up because some guy is screaming at the poor clerk because there's not enough hazelnut flavoring in his iced espresso chino with hazelnut flavoring. As I sat there watching that young clerk get screamed at, I couldn't help but think that the very concept of these fancy coffees and fast food places violates the entire spirit of fast food. See, when Ray and Mac McDonald developed the speedy service system for their McDonald's drive-in, they developed the entire industry of fast food. And part of their system was to cut the crap and focus on just one thing. The one thing they focused on? Hamburgers. Starbucks and Tim Hortons became successful because they focused on coffee. So to suddenly drop coffee into a hamburger-focused environment gums up the whole system. So to fix society this week, it's quite simple. Stop buying coffee at fast food places! My God, there's a Starbucks or a Tim Hortons on every corner. Why are you stopping at McDonald's for coffee when there's probably a second cup right across the street? Come on! Go to someplace that's equipped to handle your special coffee needs rather than harassing some poor clerk who is trained to run a deep fryer, not an espresso machine. Just go across the street, people! Thank you. Now that you've gone across the street, that frees up the line, and I can go back to screaming at this stupid clerk for messing up my order! I didn't order onions on my cheeseburger! <laughs> but seriously, you should be very nice and courteous to clerks because they put up with far too much shit and abuse from people like us, so we should take it upon ourselves to be the good ones. And that's what's wrong with society this week. What's Wrong With Society, brought to you by Cranky Pants Brand Underwear. Cranky Pants, now 30% tighter in uncomfortable places. And I want to wish you all the very best Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Easter, Passover, Rosh Hashanah, and Cinco de Mayo, as well as the happiest Groundhogs, Valentine's, President, St. Patrick's, Mother's, Father's, Veterans, Memorial, Flag, Independence, Labor, Arbor, Boxing, Columbus, and Bastille Day ever. Happy Holidays from U62. The Tsar. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. Okay. By the way, that's me on the organ. Oh, jeez. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer. Okay. Good. On the third day of gave to me three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer. Okay, that should be more there, right? Where? Well, fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. See, oh, you yeah. need more. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 
five golden tooks, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the sixth, the golden Christmas my true love gave to me. Six packs of two for five golden tooks, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Seven packs of smoke biscuit, oh, six packs of two five golden tooks, four pounds of bag bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. This should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard for us. Um, go home. Oh, eight days of drooling for me. Eight comic books, seven packs of smoke, six packs of two for five. Okay, day uh, 12. Good day, and welcome to day 12. Yeah. Golden tooth, four pounds of bag bacon, three French toast, two turtleneck, and a beer in a tree. Where did you learn to do that? Uh, albums? Bonus. So, like, that's our song. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and good day. Good day. Everybody. Or on the twelfth day, you could have got me a dozen donuts. Go on to the you stores could have gone down and get some presents. Like a uh, good donut shop where if you buy a dozen, you get another one free. And that has been 13 for the 13 days of Christmas. Next Christmas, get me a chainsaw. Boy, that song is a beauty. It moved me. Yeah, I think it ranks up there with Stairway to Heaven. It's December. I'm busting out the Christmas music. That's Bob and Doug McKenzie with their classic rendition of the 12 Days of Christmas. But enough of this foolishness. Let's get to fishing in the discount bin, shall we? Fishing in the discount bin. All right, let's get to fishing in the discount bin this week. Isn't it amazing how the universe works? In the last Fishing in the Discount Bin, I did Superman. And I ended it by saying that the next time I see Superman 2 floating in a discount bin, I should probably pick it up. And wouldn't you know it, there I was in my friendly neighborhood bargain shop, and floating on the very top of the discount bin, Superman 2, two-disc special edition, five bucks. How could I not say no? I feel I have to point out I picked up the original theatrical version and not the original Richard Donner cut. As I said last time, the plan was originally to make Superman and Superman 2 simultaneously and then release them about a year apart. Richard Donner was the director and Superman 2 was about 75% film when they decided to shut down production on number 2 and focus on finishing number 1. Number one came out, it was a huge hit, but the thing was Richard Donner and the producers never really agreed on things. So when it came time to finish number two, they fired Donner and brought in an equally legendary director, Richard Lester. Uh, Richard Lester, he did the Beatles movies. I've got a Hard Day's Night in my collection, so I'll be getting to that sooner or later, but I digress. 
What I'm really trying to say is, I have the Richard Lester Superman 2, not the Richard Donner 1. Anyway, the film opens up with the news that terrorists have taken control of the Eiffel Tower in Paris and have planted an H-bomb at the top. Naturally, Lois Lane is on the scene covering the story and gets caught up in the middle of it. Superman arrives, saves Lois, hurls the bomb into space. However, the bomb smashes open the portal to the Phantom Zone, releasing General Zod, Ursa, and Non, the three Kryptonian criminals that Jor-El banished to the Phantom Zone at the start of the first film. Zod, Ursa, and Non land on the moon, and they start realizing that the yellow sun of our solar system grants them superpowers. They try things out by laying waste to an Apollo mission. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Lex Luthor escapes from prison. He's been tracking Superman's flight patterns and notices that Superman always flies north. So Luthor follows Superman's flight plan and discovers the Fortress of Solitude, where he breaks in, learns all about Krypton, Kal-El, the three super criminals, every bit of exposition we're going to need in this film and then he slips away until he has to deliver the exposition later in the plot. Meanwhile, at Niagara Falls, Clark Kent and Lois Lane have gone undercover as a newlywed couple to do an expose on how the tourist trade fleeces newlyweds. Don't worry, even Lois calls it out as a BS news story. However, being in such close quarters, and when Superman shows up to make a few miraculous rescues, Lois starts putting two and two together and figures out that Clark Kent and Superman are one and the same. The final straw comes in their honeymoon suite when Clark Kent trips and falls face first into the fireplace but emerges without a scratch on him. Knowing there's no more hiding it, Clark reveals his true identity and his true feelings for Lois. She reveals that she's also in love with him, so they head off to the Fortress of Solitude to have one of those long conversations about their feelings and their future that you always see in romantic comedies and such. At this point, we catch up with General Zod. They've lain waste to a small American town as a demonstration of their powers. They eventually make their way to the White House, where Zod meets with the president and we get the now famous line, Kneel before Zod! The president does and the whole world asks, where is Superman? Why, he's at the Fortress of Solitude, where he's decided to renounce his powers, become a mortal man, and live happily ever after with Lois Lane. The now, the now powerless Clark and Lois start making their way back to Metropolis. But an incident at a roadside diner where Clark gets his ass handed to him by an unruly trucker leaves him in deep shock. When he sees the news reports on TV about how Zod has taken over the Earth, Clark realizes he's made a grave mistake. Clark makes his way back to the Fortress of Solitude to see if there's some way he can get his powers back, and he does get them back from the glowing green crystal that formed the Fortress of Solitude. Back in Washington, Zod is starting to grow bored with being absolute ruler of all when Lex Luthor shows up to deliver the exposition. Lex Luthor reveals that this Superman is the son of Jor-El. Elated that he'll be able to take vengeance on his old enemy, Zod prepares for battle. Lex Luthor advises that in order to flush out Superman, they should head to Metropolis and lay waste to the Daily Planet and take Lois hostage, as Superman always shows up to save Lois. And in exchange for this information, Zod declares Lex Luthor the King of Australia. So the villains show up in Metropolis, lay waste to the Daily Planet offices, the Superman shows up, they have a battle royale throughout the streets of Metropolis. Knowing that the risk to the civilians is too great, Superman draws the battle up north to the Fortress of Solitude. Zod, Ursa, and Non take Lois as a hostage, and Luther comes along because he knows the way. Their grand climax takes place at the Fortress of Solitude, where we see a bunch of powers Superman never has in the comics, like tractor beams from his fingertips, invisibility, and the ability to generate holographic duplicates of himself. 
Eventually, though, the battle reaches a stalemate when Superman takes Zod hostage and Ursa and Non take Lois hostage. Getting desperate, Superman asks for Luther's aid to lure the three Kryptonian criminals into the device that took Superman's powers. Luther double-crosses Superman, and the criminals force Superman into the device so Superman will lo lose his powers again. But aha! This was all part of Superman's trap. Superman the turned the whole fortress into the device and the device into a shield to protect himself. Superman handily defeats the powerless Kryptonians and leaves Lex Luthor stranded in the Arctic. It's an exciting film, isn't it? A few days later, heartbreak for Lois and Clark. In order to be free to continue being Superman, Lois and Clark have decided to end their relationship. A very heartbroken Lois says things that will be very difficult for her, as she'll be witness to all of Superman's amazing feats, but knowing that she can never talk to Clark about them for revealing her true identity. So in order to ease Lois's pain, Superman uses one of his lesser-known powers, the Super Kiss, to erase her memory. And things go back to normal. Superman apologizes to the president for his absence and swears he'll never do it again. And then to restore his personal pride, he tracks down that redneck trucker that beat him up and gets his vengeance. The end. Well, before I noted a lot of similarities between Superman and Batman Begins, so is Superman 2 anything like The Dark Knight? Well, not really. The Dark Knight kicked things up a notch, raised the stakes, put the hero through unexpected trials. Superman 2 really doesn't do that, but it really does crank up the action. And I will admit, it's nice seeing a lot of action in a Superman film. And it does get quite emotional as Superman and Lois Lane figure out their relationship. However, there's lots of late 70s early cheese in it. Is that a waterbed in the Fortress of Solitude? Why, yes it is. And man oh man, does that honeymoon suite look awfully gaudy. Yep, some parts of the film just haven't aged well. All in all, it's a really good film, a fun packed, a fun action packed comic book film. That's what I'm trying to say. But it's not as good as the first one, but it's pretty good on its own merits. And that's Fishing in the Discount Bin this week. Fishing in the Discount Bin, brought to you by RentMoviesOnline.com. Is going down to the video store too much social interaction for you? RentMoviesOnline.com. Well, let's stop looking at the movies of the past. Let's start looking to the movies of the future. As I've talked about quite a bit here in the podcast, Tron Legacy is the one movie I'm really looking forward to here in 2010. And it's one of the first times where I really got caught up in all the viral marketing. They had this special website set up, ArcadeAid.com. And on this website, they had a massive pictogram. Contained within the pictogram were the names of 120 classic video games. If you could pick all 120 video games, you would get on the mailing list for some free Tron Legacy swag. I identified all 120, I got on the list, and all this year I've had Tron Legacy viral marketing swag arriving in the mail. First up was a name badge for NCOM. For those who uh, don't know, NCOM is the fictional computer company that the Tron universe revolves around. So I had my Tron, my NCOM, pardon me, name badge, granting me Sector 7 access and using the employee ID code on the name badge, you could actually go to another website, ncominternational.com, and see more viral marketing stuff. Really, really sweet. And then during the summer, I got a postcard for Astro Blasters. Astro Blasters, of course, one of the classic NCOM video games from the mid-80s. Hee <laughs> hee, 
so awesome. But then the bestest came this week. I got two packages. First up, I got two pins depicting some of the uh, pi some of the pictograms I had to solve. Pin one was a light cycle for the Tron video game. Yeah, they were really creative with that one, weren't they? And the second one was a man ripping off his own face. What classic hockey game was that? Why, it's an old hockey game called Face Off. So there you go. But then the next day, oh, so awesome. This was just amazing. It blew my mind when I got this. I even had to go down to the post office and sign for the package. What it is, only the first 1,000 people who, survived, who uh, solved the entire pictogram would get this thing, according to the letter enclosed within. And what it was, was it was a limited edition art print of the pictogram. Only 1,000 were printed. It's hand numbered and everything. I just looked at that and I'm like, oh my God. I took a few pictures of it to put on Facebook and now I have put it in the back of my closet along with all the other things that I'm going to get framed if I ever buy a house someday. Some of the other things in the back of the closet that I'm going to get framed if I ever buy a house is this really neat poster my sister made for me on my 30th birthday and this really mind-blowing needlepoint of a Japanese shrine uh, that one of my students made for me as a goodbye present when I was teaching in Japan. So yeah, Tron Legacy, two weeks away. I am oh so excited. And I see we're coming to the end of this week's show. So as always, uh, let me plug the other corners of my online empire. There's my blog, chaosinabox.blogspot.com. Be my friend on Facebook, facebook.com slash chaosinabox. And of course, the main hub of it all, chaosinabox.com. I'm Mark Kathis. This has been the Targ. I will see you next week. of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. Well, that was pointless. Yeah.